welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Hello again, this is Pastor Derek, and I just wanted to jump in real quick before we get started on this week's installment of the Graceway Sermon Cast and give you as a listener kind of an update about what's going on in our season of transition in our ministry. Back in January, at the beginning of this year, uh, we decided as a church to begin joining in fellowship and holding uh, collaborative worship services with another church in our area, a church by the name of Living Hope Fellowship, where Chris Reber is the pastor. Uh, We have decided to do that through a season of transition within our ministry as we seek God's guidance for us in the next steps. And so over the course of that season, you're going to be hearing at times, Pastor Chris Reber will be bringing the message on our sermon cast, and then at other times you'll hear my voice along with some other guest speakers as well. Uh, So just wanted to let you know as a listener kind of what's going on. And so if you hear a different voice as you tune in, that's kind of what's going on. So um, as uh, I just said, this week is another installment where you'll hear Pastor Chris Reber as he brings a message, a very important message actually, on the subject of unity within the body of Christ. So I'm going to jump off of here and we'll get started with the message. I'm excited to continue to share with you on some things that God's laid on my heart. This particular topic today that we're going to deal with together, something that's been strong in my heart from my early days in the Lord. Um, It's just, uh, I think, so crucial for us to get a hold of because uh, the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ is at stake when we talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, What we're talking about today is the the reality of something I came to understand uh, early on and continue to understand more is that I just didn't know what I thought I knew about unity. I just didn't, you know, I thought I had an understanding, but I didn't really have an understanding, you know. Um, and today especially is I, I really didn't know how much uniformity can be the enemy and destroyer of unity. I want you to just think about that for just a second. Because that kind of cuts ag- against the grain of our thinking in a lot of ways. You've heard me many times say from this pulpit, you know, we all think we're right or we wouldn't hold the position we hold, right? I mean, it's kind of stupid to hold a position that you know is wrong. I mean, we all think we're right about our opinions and viewpoints of everything that we hold. And sometimes we feel so right about that that we feel that we are bound and determined to convince everybody else to join us. <laughs> now, that's... That's understandable in many lights, but when we get inside the body of Christ, we've got to couple with that this understanding that we are all called to walk in unity. That's God's desire and intention for us. Have you ever noticed something uh, over the years? I have noticed this. I certainly noticed it when God put me and my wife together. Have you ever noticed how opposites attract? (laughs) And there, yes, you probably There are probably not too many people more different than each other than me and my wife. And yet God put us together. Have you ever noticed the struggles that couples have in marriage and that it almost always revolves around one person in the couple thinking they need to change the other person to be like them, to think like them, 
to have the same opinions, to have the same importance placed on things as they have, et cetera, et cetera. And here they are, having been attracted as opposites to some degree, and then starting the day after that, we're going to convince them to be like we are. That is not smart. <laughs> Creates a lot of problems in the long run, does it not? Let me ask you something. Isn't it clear that God did not intend us to all be carbon copies of one another? Look at the person sitting next to you for a second. Isn't it clear God did not intend that? <laughs> I mean, he made us all as we are, right? With all of our differences and viewpoints and all this kind of stuff. Now, you know, be careful. Don't let your mind run with that to say that everything goes. I'm not an everything goes person, okay? I'm not that person. But I am a learn-to-love-everyone person. And I am I, and especially now let's get inside the body of Christ for a second. And let's not worry about all the differences outside of us. We know we've got that. And God has called us to, to uh, communicate the gospel and, and to bring people to Christ and understand that he has devised one way to have a relationship with him. That's his choice, not yours, not mine. That's his choice. And so, yeah, we need, to, we need to be all on that. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But how about once we're inside that family and we start to notice that God could actually save somebody like Chris Reber. And he's not just like Matt Gullett. And I could go on and on, right? But here we are in this family. In this house, two fellowships, one family. Get your mind wrapped around this. Millions of fellowships. <laughs> and one family. Now, I'm going to shock you. You might be on a different page than me. I don't know. But some of those families believe different than you. Hmm. I mean, can they really be in the family if they believe different than me? Not as it relates to whether they're in Christ or not. I'm saying they're in Christ. They're in the family. They got in the family through Jesus Christ alone. We'll come back to that, okay? But let's, let's place that as a given. Inside that family, only through Christ, there have been, since the day of Jesus, right after he departed, <laughs> groups gathering together that found out they weren't exactly alike. And they started hashing it out. <laughs> you know? For the first hundred years or so, they, they just had bishops, which was an overseer an elder, that kind of oversought their family groups. And along the way, after about 300 or so, a group of them decided the most important and prominent bishop was the one that was of Rome. And that, that was the first time, really, in the idea of Christianity, that there was a concept at all that one bishop would be over some of the other bishops. Now, we're doing some church history here, and I ain't got time for all that this morning. But I'm just telling you, up to that point, up until, you know, about a thousand years, they just all knew that they were bishops of certain areas, of Ephesus, of, you know, Antioch, I mean, I mean, all this kind of stuff. But then time goes on, and we start getting kind of our comfort zones messed up, and we start deciding what's really important for us all to get a hold of. Now, listen, I'm going to shock you about something else. You, some of y'all do your church history, you know this. Did you all know when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses? to Wittenberg's door. Okay, this is some history here. He was a priest. Did you know he didn't really want to get out of the Catholic Church when he did that? 
Some people think that's what it was all about. He was ready to bust it up and get it fixed. You know? No, he was just addressing what he saw was honestly a bad situation and wanted to get it resolved that way. He wanted to sit down and talk about it and can't we just somehow figure out how we're supposed to deal with this as a body? But, you know, people like their own way, right? Because we're all right. I mean, we are. Yeah, let's be honest about it. You think, you don't know all of my theology, but I guess, I guess what? Throughout the year, some of the folks in our fellowship here, now Graceway's going to get to do some of that as they listen for <laughs> yeah, however long God does that. You, you know, we're going to figure out we don't all think exactly the same. Even though we come to God exactly the same. Through Christ and Christ alone and by what he did. Yet here we are in this one big family. So some, some people hold this mindset. We just, you know, birds of a feather flock together. We just need to get all ours in the same house just like us. And we'll thrive, man, if we're all on the same page and thinking exactly alike. That's not what Paul said. Paul said that'd be like having a bunch of feet in your house. With no hands and no eyes and no... <laughs> On and on we go. That's not very good, is it? <laughs> so I'm really talking about this idea this morning about unity and what is that supposed to look like and what has God called us to? You know, as you get in the New Testament in Galatians, you find out that, that freedom and the freedom of understanding the truth as God has brought you to him is a big deal. I mean, Paul and Peter had it out over it a little bit. When Paul was doing the, the ministry and the missionary trips, he goes back to Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem council decided that, hey, there's some important things here. And, man, they were so careful in what they told Paul. Just make sure you guard these things. And the things that he addressed, that they addressed, were really issues that they knew would become divisive among people if they didn't address them. But outside of that, they didn't say anything. It was simple stuff like, be careful that you don't offend your brother. All of them were about that. They were about, be careful that you don't just destroy the heart of your brother or your sister by, you know, drinking blood in front of them. Well, that's kind of gross, but there were a bunch of Jewish people that would really be bothered by that. See, I mean, I could go on, and this is another sermon to chase. I'm trying to be careful. There's so many, so many things here that we can see. I want to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. We're going to read those. And it's going to be the basis for us getting a hold of this idea of walking in unity, but not walking in uniformity. And how that honors God and what God will really be calling us to in the body of Christ. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Go on next one. We're going all the way to verse 8. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. As you know, he talks about those gifts back in 
the, the Corinthians passage, it's all about realizing we've got to understand we're not exactly alike. But in the context of these verses, we see some great insight from God to us through Paul by the Holy Spirit. Because God in his great wisdom laid it all out for us. And in the context of him giving this passage, we say this whole book of Ephesians really is all about learning how to walk with my brother and my sister in a spirit of love and unity. And that the key issue is not always what we think is the key issue. Sometimes we think the key issue of unity is getting us to all think exactly the same. And that's really not, I think, the teaching of this passage. Let's, go, let's look at some, some context here. Let's start with this idea of what in the world does it really mean to walk worthy of the calling? What is the calling? Is the calling dogma? Is the calling understanding clear doctrine? Is there importance in that? Absolutely. We'll come back to that, okay? But is the calling that we would all agree to send out crusades and get the rest of the world be just like we are? And that's not just what the Crusades was about, by the way. A lot of it was getting back something that was taken away. But we're not getting into all that history. But is the calling about that? Or is the calling about, you know, developing my own way of thinking, thus all kinds of denominations? I mean, is that what the calling's about? Is the calling about dominion? Not dominion over the earth in the sense that, in the sense that uh, Adam and Eve was talking about. But sometimes people... Forget that the dominion is over that, but really dominion over the enemy who's trying to eat her lunch. <laughs> Take away the joy that God wants you to have. And so on and on and on we could think about all the, but really that's not what he focuses on here. What is the calling? What do you think? What's the calling he's talking about here? You're allowed to talk back here. What's that? Be a light in a dark world. Yeah, he's calling us to that. That's part of that calling. Look at the passage. Let's go up here for a second. Back to the beginning verses a little bit. Right till you get to the place that, which be worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he goes into it a little bit. Let's go past this one. We're going to come back to that. Go past this one. Stop there. A calling to oneness and the awareness of oneness in Christ. A calling to the awareness of one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling. The awareness that it's all wrapped up in who Christ is. It's a calling to oneness and unity in the bond of faith. It's a unified understanding that we are all in need of a Savior. All in need of forgiveness. All get there the same way. All fully dependent on the Father who provided. All brought into that baptism of salvation in Christ. And you understand that word's all about immersion, right? And so really he's saying that you understand that this unity is going to happen in the family of God as we're all immersed in the understanding of our complete and desperate need of the Father and His provision. And once we walk into that, God does something internal and God begins to work in us an awareness of the love that we're to have for one another. Look at, 
Look at John 17, 22 for a second. Jesus prayed this prayer. The glory which you have given me, Father, I have given to them that they may be one. Now, now stop and look at this last part. Have you ever wrapped your mind around this for a second? What kind of unity does God want me to have with you? Wow. That's deep. That's deep. He's saying, Father, I want them to have the same unity that you and I have, that they'd be one just as we are one. Whew. That's, that's some deep love right there. But that's what he, I mean, you're going to want to debate Jesus on that? I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he understands exactly what he's praying for. And I don't believe Jesus ever prayed for anything that he thought was impossible. Because we know the verse, right? How, many, how much is possible in Christ Jesus? All, all things are possible in Christ Jesus. The text that we looked at, there's a, there's a section there that reminds us I mean, this section that reminds us that we're all in the Lord. One Lord, one faith. One faith. I mean, it just, it just blows me away how sometimes we miss this in the body of Christ as we get so caught up in all of our other stuff that we're really to have a heart of oneness for one another. And how's that really going to happen? And when you think about that, what does walking, this will be the second thought to get your mind wrapped around today. What does walking worthy of this oneness in Christ look like? How's this supposed to happen? How do we guard this? How do we somehow walk in submission to the call of God to live this out? Because that's what we're about as Christians, right? When God gives us a path that he wants us to walk in, we don't lay down and or sit down and debate it with him and say, let me talk to you about that, God. Let's see if we can figure out a way to, to find some, you know, middle ground here. No. <laughs> when God lays down something for us to walk in, our attitude and submission to him is say, God, help me understand how you want me to do this because I'm committed to doing what you want me to do because you are my Lord. And so knowing that, I'm submitted to you to say, how do I do this? I'm going to walk worthy of the calling that you've placed on me, how does that look? How does that take place? Have you ever noticed that when it comes to walking uh, and living out your faith, that the Word of God is always dealing with the heart? You ever notice that? When Jesus comes, he starts talking to him about the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know you got this rule, and I you got, know you got this rule, but I'm saying to you, it's way deeper than that. It's going down in your heart. Let's just pick one of them. I ain't going to preach that sermon. I mean, there's so many sermons here, right? But Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you, when you call your brother a fool, it's like killing him. Getting down deep in the heart here, see? And he's always, he says so many things in that passage, but I say to you, but I say to you, but I say to you. God's always about the heart. He's always about wanting to deal with the motive. Why, why are we thinking the way we think? What's our attitude about the issue? And somehow or another, if we're not careful, and it's happened for a couple thousand years now, 
the body of Christ gets so caught up in all of our stuff that in, in our desire to make sure everybody thinks the way I do and gets it finally figured out, I mean, the biggest thing on the plate right now in the body of Christ is whether or not you're a good five-point Calvinist or whether or not you're a person who believes in, you know, freedom of the will. And so this battle's been going on for 2,000 years, and now we got people just bickering at each other over it all. It's a heartbreak. I think it's a heartbreak in the heart of God. So focused on that instead of focusing on how can I lay my life down for my brother? And love them the way Christ loved the church as it relates to my wife. But even love my brother and sister in that I'm willing to be submissive one to another in our relationship, in our walk with God. Have you ever noticed that the heart of a person is seen in their character? Let's just stop there for a second. You know, you'll have people say, well... You know, I, I love that person. I just, you know, I just hate them. <laughs> but the character, the way they treat that person begins to tell you whether they really love them, don't they? I mean, the way I live it out in front of them, the way I respond to them, the way I treat them and help them or not help them. I mean, it, can you, do you know that sometimes not helping somebody can be the action of love? But it's all about submission to hearing what God's calling us to do. And when you really want to get down into what is real love, and when you really want to get down to what is walking in unity, it really comes down to the heart. It really comes down to what, what am I going to live out of my life? How am I going to live that for my brother, my sister? I just had a thought, Robert. Don't want to forget. Don't let me forget about that letter at the end, okay? <laughs> get my attention. In Ephesians chapter 2, again, 2 through 4. That part of the passage. Now we'll come to that section where he really lays it out for us. What does it look like? Bring those back up there, Stephen. Thank you. With all humility. Yeah, another sermon right there. <laughs> with all humility and gentleness. With patience. Showing tolerance. I like King James forbearance. Showing tolerance forbearance and tolerance for one another in love be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit there's some how-to's right there that's some how-to's how, how do i see how do i live this out how do i walk this i mean every person that you know that has a different position in the body of christ they act exactly like this with one another right yeah those those little jiggles or giggles help us understand the fallacy of that statement don't they not in the body of christ it's not like that it should be it should be because they're my brother or they're my sister if they're in christ i understand that's the key issue don't ever lose sight of that are the character traits you see when people uh, debating their views on the understanding of the word of god are they these character traits we just looked at not always when you see people that are called by the name of Christ debating their things over what they really think is true, what they think is understood. See, we're going to have differing opinions on things, right? Paul says, and now we see as in a glass dimly. We're trying to figure it out. I, I just want to ask you to help me with something. If you're the person here in this room that's got every one of the theological, you know, doctrinal understandings completely figured out, and you know there's no 
possibility whatsoever that you could be the slightest wrong on any one of those, would you please meet with me today after church? I need to know that stuff. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to know the truth and walk in the truth. I'm committed to it. I mean, every day I'm diving into it. I'm walking in that understanding the best I can, and I'm open and submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to walk there to the best I can. But this I know. There are people way smarter than me that I think love Jesus as much and maybe more than me that see things totally opposite than I do. And I just can't write them off just because I know I'm right. <laughs> or at least I think I am. Or I wouldn't hold my position, right? So how do we have that going on and somehow still walk in love? Because that's what we're called to do. The, the core of this section right here on how to live it out comes in that one verse back up, this last phrase, showing tolerance for one another in love. Do you have that? Is that your heart? To the person that might understand things a little differently than you? Unless you think this attitude that I'm conveying to you presents a uh, anything goes. <laughs> no, that's not my heart. People that know me know that's not my heart. I mean, we want to know the truth and walk in the truth. The truth sets you free without a doubt. But unity is about learning how to love people that are different than me. You know I was reading this article about one person. I won't go into it all just for the sake of saving a little time. But one of the things they said is that uniformity in, some, in many ways kills unity because uniformity is a real low-hanging fruit. What do they mean by that? You know, it's easy to say the best way to get unity is to make everybody think exactly like I am and then I have no disunity. That's, that's the easier thing. The harder thing is for me to love my brother or sister that's different than me. To love my brother or my sister, they're in Christ, in the family, in Christ, through Christ alone, and they're different than me. But I'm going to love them anyway. That's sometimes the harder thing, isn't it? That's what we're called to. That's what brings unity in the family. That's what honors our God. So when we gather together, I'm going to read you something here, just a little bit about, uh, we did here uh, an anniversary sometime back we were 20 years old last year, I think it was. And I kind of did a step-by-step -step things that happened along the way. And, and one of the things I uh, shared out of that is what I'm about to read to you. So let me just read it. Because it kind of tells you the heartbeat that we're after. Shortly after we started meeting together as Living Hope, we agreed that our, that our goal would be unity, not uniformity. We identified six beliefs as those that identify people as a part of God's family and sought to allow no other. Now, this is, in, this is really important. Some of you guys are doing some remembrances now, if you remember. But we said this, uh, that uh, we sought to allow no other beliefs to bring disunity among the fellowship. So we, we laid out six things that we thought identified who we are and we're going to walk in unity on those things. And no other belief, my goodness, there's tons of them. <laughs> but no other belief would we say, we're going to let that divide us. 
If you don't agree with this particular opinion on this particular thing, that's going to divide us. No, what we said was these six things, we understand that somehow they could be divisive because it kind of makes a difference of whether you know Jesus or not. But beyond these, we're not going to let them be divisive because somehow we're going to, listen, I'm going to shock us. Somehow we're going to get to heaven. There are going to be some people who don't think like you, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. There might be some Episcopal, why not? Yeah, there might be some Episcopalians there. There might be some Lutherans. There might be some, Cat. you know, when I, I was raised a Catholic, some of y'all know that. So, so when we got to Ohio, I mean, I, I had just come out of seminary. You cannot imagine the kind of pressure that goes on in seminary and debating on everybody who's right and wrong about stuff. And so in the context of that scenario, I was struggling with knowing that I came to Jesus because I really didn't understand a personal relationship. And, and so I was hearing all these things and saying, you know, those Catholics, they just don't know Jesus. I went to India, and in India, there's a lot of the Christian fellowship just believe without a shadow of doubt. There's not a single Catholic that could know Jesus. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. I know I didn't, but I couldn't say that. I surely couldn't say for sure none of them did. So then Connie and I go to Ohio, and we have this babysitter that's, that's helping us. I'm, no, you were babysitting her kid. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. Connie will straighten me out if I don't get this right. So, <laughs> so, so this lady, you know, I'm, I'm the good Baptist preacher on the scene, you know, trying to win everybody I see to Jesus and learn to start thinking the way they need to think. And so I begin to share the gospel with this lady about how she could know Jesus. And I got embarrassed when I began to realize how deeply in love with Jesus this lady was. And she started answering the questions before I could get them out exactly spot on of faith in Christ alone in no other way. And I'll never forget, Connie and, I, Connie and I talked later that day. We've talked many times through the years how there's no doubt in my mind that lady had a relationship with Jesus Christ. But she didn't think the way I thought. Sometimes we draw our conclusions. Listen, here's six things we've got to walk in agreement on. We have to acknowledge the Bible is the Word of God. The Almighty Word of God revealing the will of God for humanity. Why is that a must? How in the world are you going to even know about salvation without that? That's where we get it, right? We acknowledge one true living God revealed as Trinity and known as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're talking about who we know there, right? So that's a foundational issue. We acknowledge all people have sinned and require the redemption of God from sin through the work of of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the path. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, through the word of God, we've already decided that we would agree upon, said there's one way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody gets there but through me. We acknowledge salvation is received by faith through grace. It's not anything you can do about it. It's faith through grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. That doesn't mean that you won't have fruit in your life. You'll have a lot if you really know him. Oh, another sermon. We acknowledge God has set apart his children as a royal priesthood for which no other intercessor is needed besides Jesus. We get that. 
We're in the family now. We're in. Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? You trust him as your Lord and Savior? You know you've surrendered your heart and life to him? Hey, did you hear who I called him? Lord and Savior? So now, Lord, what you want is what I want. No debates. It's all about how do I do it? I'm going to do it. What's going to be hard? Not a debate. <laughs> okay, so I'm in that camp. That's, that's my commitment. And now God has placed us all in there as a joint heir with Jesus. Oh, i got to wrap this up. <laughs> Go on and on. And then finally, we acknowledge that Jesus returns to establish his kingdom eternally. We're a part of a forever thing here. So all these things are those things that make us one family. So we can't really divide on those. But outside of that, we got to figure out how to love each other, right? we got to figure out how to understand one another. I'm not saying everything goes. I'm saying that if I can't undisputably nail it down, then I need to not be so arrogant as to think, isn't the world lucky, Brittany? They've got me, and I've got the answers finally. <laughs> After 2,000 years, I finally you know, got it figured out for everybody. <laughs> but that's the attitude of many people. Well, let me wrap up quickly with this last thought from this passage. It's kind of a key issue as it relates to how to be careful not to let uniformity divide and destroy unity. The reason that happens often is because, well, in this passage it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts captives and he gave them gifts. And we forget that people got gifts and they're different than me and we just try to change them to be like me. And, and we forget that God's really doing that for a reason. Here's, here's what's going to shock us someday. We're going to get to heaven. And then God's going to let us know. He's going to fill us in on why he allowed there to be Methodist and Baptist and on and on and on we go. I'd like to know right now. I mean, <laughs> but... <laughs> But someday he'll give me all that big picture, and I'll understand it then. But for now, I've got to understand that I love my brother. I love my sister. If you're in Christ and Christ alone, and you understand that he is the provider of salvation, and you need that, <laughs> and you've submitted to him to ask forgiveness of sin for your life and turn your life over to him, we are in the same family. And we need to, here's what, here's what I like, I'm going to wrap this up this way. We need to learn how to spur one another on to good works. That's what we need to be doing. Not, not fight with each other about where we stand. We need to learn how to spur one another on to good works. Hey, God revealed a truth to you, and you know it's very clear to you, and you see brothers and sisters that not walk in there. How do you handle that? You don't go up there and say, get your act together, girl. That's not how you do it. You go up and say, Brittany, I love you. I care about you. I'd love to show you something in the Word I've, I've learned this week. And just let her read it. See where God goes with that. Probably going to shock you. <laughs> Have you ever realized that God can actually teach people through His Word without you? <laughs> really? <laughs> that can happen. But sometimes we don't think it can, but He does. That's the way it works. Well, we serve a wonderful Father who does not desire that any should perish, but that all 
would come to faith in him through Jesus Christ. And we need to have that same heart. And we need to learn to work through our messes, our dis, dis, disagreements, let's say it that way, in such a heart of love for one another and the entire body of Christ. This is one of the reasons we lo I love to go overseas. Several of us do that. I mean, man, you get over there and you find out there's a lot of people different than you. <laughs> and find out, I know you can't believe this is true because I never believed it either, but they might love Jesus more than you. Maybe. Maybe a person sitting next to you does. Maybe. But you can't focus on that. You want to focus on you getting deeper in love yourself as deep as you possibly can and loving this person sitting next to you with as much love as you possibly can. That honors a father. How many of y'all got kids? What's one of the greatest things? It's watching your kids love on each other, isn't it? When they love to be with each other and hang out with each other. When they like, when they want to be friends. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's something special, isn't it? <laughs> That's what. Yeah, yeah. That's what. It's sad, isn't it? Well, let's pray. We want to walk in that same kind of unity that honors the Father, even in the midst of the places that were not exactly uniform. <laughs> Father, we honor you today of being such a father that is so loving. Lord, I do understand that ultimately, one day we're going to look at you face to face and understand it all. And this we know, we will be just like you then. All this struggle with uh, differences of opinion and misunderstandings and lack of desire to walk in the things that are really honorable to you. That's all going to be by the wayside and there's just going to be a hundred percent clarity of seeking to just honor the Father in all things. Lord, in this time frame as we're waiting to get there, we would just ask again, Holy Spirit, that you fill us fresh and anew and that we would learn how to love Lord Jesus the way you love that we would truly walk in a depth of love for you that is so deep that we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we learn to love our brother and sister in Christ that are different and struggling and doesn't understand some things. Maybe at a different place of maturity. Maybe way deeper. Maybe, maybe not nearly as deep. We don't know. But we know where to love them and walk in unity in the bond of peace because we're under the same Lord, the same Father the same spirit, the same baptism, the same hope of our calling, and we give you praise for that. Guide us as we go from this place. This week, Lord, put us in the presence of somebody that's totally different than us, theologically, experientially, but down deep in their heart, they love Jesus, and show us that. And then show us how to love them, Lord, the way you'd have us love them. We trust that for your glory. So you'll be honored. That's what it's about. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. At Grace Way, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section. Or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. 
Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of